Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Thursday, September 9th, day 2021. Coming right up, it's the first book of Samuel, chapter 18. Don't you dare miss it. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel Podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing, marketing, advertising, helping with the website, helping with this podcast. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-member body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. Give it up for God at companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is located at number 338, side row 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. Come on out, be part of it. This is just the greatest thing. Let's get to First Samuel, chapter 18. And verse 1. And it came to pass, when he had made the, an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Brotherly love. Jonathan was Saul's kid, and he just loved this guy, David. And he was quite a bit older than him. So it would have been like a maternal love type of thing. And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Yeah, he kept David there. Once again, God warned, warned us in the earlier chapters that an earthly king would take your sons and daughters, put them in captivity, put them in bondage. And that's what governmental systems do. Mankind has a 100% failure rate at governing themselves. And that goes right from the kitchen table to the world stage. Without God in your life, in your house, in your country, in your community, Satan's there. All the demons, devils, evil spirits that cause divisions, troubles, conflicts, jealousies, envies, possessiveness, greeds, and gluttonies. Just all there, just so subtly around you. And then they manifest into troubles, wars, rumors of wars, deceptions, famines, and now pestilence. And what's after pestilence? Martyrdom. Uh, verse 3. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. What a customary show of respect this is. This guy, Jonathan, I think he was like 30 years older or something like that then. Uh about 30 years older than David. And he just loved this guy. And David went out with either, with so either Saul sent him. David did what Saul told him to do. He was a good kid. He did what he was told and, be, and behaved himself wisely. He didn't go out like some sideshow. He didn't go out like, hey, look, it's me, David. I'm all that in a bag of chips. He, was, he behaved himself wisely, mature. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. People respected him. He was like the general, and they liked him. They they trusted him, and 
they looked at David like, yes, this this is our, this is our leader. Saul's our king, but David's he's the leader. And it came to pass, he's our leader of security. He's our war leader. <clears throat> and it came to pass as they came when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, another war, another battle that David won, that God won through David, that the woman came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabarets and joy and with instruments of music. This is a big uh, celebration, a great dancing, okay? And the woman answered one another as they played. They were singing this song. <clears throat> Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Oh, give it up for David when I watch how Saul reacts to this. Verse 8, and Saul was very wroth. And they say, at, at their, at their saying, displeased him. What they were singing made him upset, very angry. They have ascribed unto David ten thousand, and to me they have ascribed but a thousand. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Hey, what's next? They're give, is he going to have the kingdom? Here's the spirit of jealousy and envy entered into Saul. And you know what? This happens in workplaces also. When someone does a good job and someone else, hey, what about me? What about all the stuff I did? Like I say on the Brick Lane job site, there's a guy, hey, maybe he laid 100 bricks. Hey, they're nice and straight. <clears throat> good job. Good job. Right? But the guy that laid 1,000 bricks is like, yeah, you know, the guy's no good. He's no good. He's a shoemaker. You know, it's, it's like the same type of thing. Jealousies and envies and not looking, at, looking with disdain at others. It's just the spirit of Satan right there brewing inside you. And this is what happens to Saul. And it came to pass. <clears throat> Saul eyed David from that day forward. <clears throat> the eye of jealousy. Remember in Proverbs chapter 29, I think, it says, that Envy and jealousy, who can stand against those things? Nobody. That's your answer. You can't stand. Somebody's going to start making stuff up and slandering the other person, or wanting to, you know, find happiness in their downfalls, faults, and miseries, or trying to make them fall. Being against one of your brothers or sisters in the human family because you're jealous. <clears throat> Jealousy is like the most immature, wasted emotion anyone can conjure up within themselves. In the Hebrew, when they speak about jealousy, they say it's something that you conceive within yourself. And it feels like curdled milk. That's what jealousy feels like. I've been jealous. I, I remember way back and when I was younger, I felt jealous about a few things. It does. It feels like you have curdled milk inside. You burn up inside. You get all upset. You want, you're, you're all of a sudden against the greater good. And it came to pass on the morrow... That the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Why? Because God is in control. And God allows Satan to be prince of the air. All encompassing of life. God said, oh, you guys want to govern yourself? See how it works out, okay? Because you can't. And we're going to show you. Mankind cannot govern themselves. I give you people free will. And there's a problem with that. You need an upper echelon of truth. There needs to be a higher order of things. A natural order of things. I am your God. I will govern you. I will govern you in a place of peace beyond our present comprehension where the trademarks of evil do not exist. Of greed and gluttony and looking at others for personal gain or personal gratification. 
looking down at others with disdain, hatred, thinking you're better than others, entitlements over others. We're all part of the human family, man. Nobody asked to get born. You have to have love and compassion on people, even out of sight. They're not out of mind in God's eyes, and they shouldn't be in your eyes either. <clears throat> and here's the spirit of jealousy just ripping into Saul. And God allows it. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand. And as at other times, David's sitting there ripping up the harp, letting her, letting her go. He was good at it. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided its presence twice. Like David's a good little athlete here. He's in great physical shape. He's smart. Yeah, he ducked out twice. And here's another attempt of Satan to thwart Yahweh's purposes. To thwart God's divine purpose which started in Genesis 3.15, and prevent the seed of woman from continuing into the world. There's Satan. He trying to get in the way again. If he would have off David, it would have. what would have happened? The seed line of Christ. <clears throat> so this is divine intervention here. Or, and David's a smart kid. Like God, God anointed David after his own heart. Okay, 13. Therefore, <clears throat> Saul removed him from him. So Saul kicked him out from being his like right-hand guy. He was his armor bearer. And made him captain over a thousand. So he got demoted. And Saul's reneging on his promise. When he promised, when Goliath was standing there, and Saul said, uh, made the big promise. Whoever can take care of Goliath... Then, you know, you'll marry my older daughter, and you'll be part of the king's family, and you'll be released from bondage. And so here, here Saul's reneging on his promise. What else is new with political leaders today anyway? Nothing. Nothing is new under the sun. Like Saul is king over his own people, and are noting that David is a better warrior, and it makes Saul jealous. And who was Saul anyway? Saul was a livestock herder. That couldn't even keep track of his dad's livestock. He was literally wandering around. Have you seen my dad's livestock? Have you seen my dad's livestock? But people looked at him in the superficial way that Hollywood and the mainstream media has taught us, has tried to teach us, to look at other human beings. The superficial way. From their outward appearance. God looks at people at their heart. We have to view all people in the human family through God's eyes. We look at the heart. Don't look at the superficial appearance. Uh, 13. Therefore Saul removed him. Okay, so now he's now he's a captain over a thousand people. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. God was with him. You know why God was with David? Because David was with God. God will never leave you or forsake you. People leave or forsake God all the time. Then when, then when their life falls apart like a cheap lawn chair, frustrations, disappointments, it goes on to uh, um, anguish, depressions, insecurities, uncertainties, and eventually mortification of the soul if you don't turn around and reach out for God's outstretched arms. He'll let you go. Because you've, you've took off from God. David didn't take off from God here yet. The Lord was with him. The Lord will be with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. 
People leave God all the time when they think they know better. The book of Proverbs says there's many ways in mankind. There's many ways of man that they think is right. Yeah, seems right. I'm going to go do this today. I'm going to go run my business like this. I'm going to conduct my life like this. I'm going to govern myself like, like this the way I think is right. People around here do it all the time. They say, I'm my own God. Uh, I believe in myself. You know, I actually got mocked last night after I did one of the greatest Bible studies up at the church. And I came down and, and I have friends around here. And they don't believe in God, but I know they eventually will. And they mocked me. They threw some money on the table and said they want to... They said, that's for God. Or, or, here, I want to donate to your church. I want to donate to your church. But then, of course, they grabbed it up and just were mocking me. Let me tell you something. God knows how much affliction everybody needs to humble for the eternity. That's why it says God only chastises those he loves. That's why it says, thank you, God, for the chastisement. You have to thank God for the chastisement. Because, again, he knows how much affliction each of us needs to humble for the eternity. These guys with all the money, you know, big bungee cords of money in their wallets. You need a bungee cord to hold their wallets together. There's so much money hanging out of it. I'm telling you, they have no inner peace at night. They put on a good facade. They drench it out with alcohol and and uh, and money and the things money can buy. There's no inner peace. The Lord's not with them. They've left God. If they want to come back to God, they have to stop mocking His servant. For one thing, that's me. It doesn't bug me because I know they're going to change someday. But what I'm saying is, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And that should apply to you to behave wisely. Pray for the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength, and conduct yourself accordingly to God's word. This, this, is, this whole book is basically about, you think you can govern yourself? Watch this. It's never in the history of mankind, from the individual to the world stage, has anybody or any entity, any organization been able to govern themselves successfully without God in it? It so always ends up in disaster, failure, disappointments, human rights infringements, or just or just infringing on Mother Nature's right to flourish. Let's go to 15. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Yeah, Saul thinks that David's going to fold like a cheap launcher. Hey, I just demoted him, you know, I just punked him off. I just said, okay, get out of here. I threw a couple spears at him, and he's still serving me. That makes me afraid. Like the enemy tries to intimidate you, like thugs and bullies try and intimidate you. And he's still doing a great job. David is awesome. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Yeah, because he went out, he did his job, he didn't complain. He wasn't expecting a pat on the back every time he did something. He wasn't, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? He's not sitting here complaining saying, hey, there's a promise. I'm supposed to get Saul's older daughter, and I can just chill with Saul. I shouldn't be out here having to fight uh, in these wars or leading this army. Like, I should be up there in the castle with Saul. What's in it for me? So that's about, that just covers about 90% of the population today. Anytime they perceive something they have to do, what's in it for me? 
What do I get? How do I benefit off this? How do I benefit off this? Not David. David is a great example. David is a precursor to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's a type. He's an example. That's why David's listed in the king line in Matthew chapter uh, chapter 1. Right From Abraham where the promise went to the promise to David king. Right through that genealogy, the genealogy right to the king of kings, Lord of lords himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. 17, and Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. No, way to throw God in there, um, Saul. For Saul said, Let not my hand be upon him, but let the hand of Philistines behind him. Yeah, Saul's plotting away. He's conniving away. He says, I want this guy dead because he's getting more, uh, more praise than me. People are revering him more than me. And don't forget the spirit of reverence belongs to God. It's one of the sacred seven spirits that we can never ask for or infringe on or imply to ourselves or to another person. Therefore, never call another human being reverent. As it's written in the book of Isaiah, the spirit of reverence belongs to the Lord. These are one, That's one of his seven spirits. You can ask for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of strength. And you can ask for the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. But just know this. The spirit of reverence belongs to the Lord God himself, only God himself. Okay, let's go to uh, not answering my phone. Uh, verse 18. And David said unto Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, or my, fam or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to king? Oh, he's really humbling himself. David's humbling. Who am I? Who am I? Like, I humble myself. Thank you. Uh, okay, here was the promise. I get to Saul's older daughter. And like, David's humbling himself. And, and 19. But it came to pass at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Meholthalite, to wife. He lived in Meholtha. And there's not much written about that in the Bible at all. Adriel means flock of God. So you're Saul reneged. What's new in politics today? Reneggers, liars, saturated with lawyers. Let me tell you something, lawyer dude. God's law stands. It's, it is a consistent. Lawyers and all mankind are bound by the principles of being human. You have an inconsistent law pattern or inconsistent thought pattern. All your laws are based on precedent. All you care about is winning or losing a case. Who cares if it's right or wrong? Really. I want to ask you, Mr. Crown Attorney, as a lawyer engaged in public prosecution, is your job to convict or is it to find justice? And if a, if a Crown Attorney says, ever, ever flaunts, oh, I've never lost a case, well, then you, you don't care about finding justice. You only care about yourself. You don't care about humanity. You're the most selfish person. The, laws, the court laws today are a joke of blasphemy, an abomination to God. God gave us a set of laws. But no, lawyers get in there. You think there's going to be a lawyer between you and our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you kidding me? When you're up there, he's not going to negotiate. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not going to make concessions. He's not going to compromise with the ways of evil ways of the world. There's going to be no lawyers there.
Lawyer, you got a lot. You got a lot to, lot to repent about. I can tell you that much. The lawyers I've met, you're selfish. You're just, you're just look what you've done to planet Earth. At 19, but it came to pass at the time when Mirabsal thought, okay, so this, so here's Saul reneging. You know, he can use lawyers. He can write big long things that people don't understand because a lawyer can make what's right wrong and what's wrong right can make yes sound like no and no sound like yes and feel proud of himself. Then go cash their big paycheck and go out in the golf course. That's your reward, lawyer. That's it. Enjoy that golf game because the, in the eternity you're gonna be over there with the rich man. Thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, and you're not going to have a set of golf clubs over there either. 20. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. Michelle, I should say. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law, one in twain, with my daughter Michelle. You know what? He's plotting against David. This is conspiracy to commit murder. Is David running off to get a lawyer here? No, he has God. It's God himself. Did David run off to get a lawyer and say, Hey, the king said uh, this and this and this. Let's get a lawyer. Let's take this to court. Let's draw it out for years and years and years until it just exhausts everybody's paycheck until the lawyer's got it all. Okay, no, David didn't go run get a lawyer. David has God with him. So now here he goes. He hooks up with Michelle. And Saul commanded servants, saying, Commune with David secretly. Here's subtlety. Where's subtlety in the Bible? Satan, the most subtle one in the garden. And say, Behold, the king hath delighted in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. Okay, so they're, they're lying. He's getting people to lie for him. And that's what liars do. They never have a linear progression towards the truth. And a lot of people are liars or think they are. They can back it up with money. And you can always put a smoke screen in front of the truth. But when the smoke clears, the truth stands solid. Because the truth is our Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth is the great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And that is that. Period. And it will stand. You will have to account. What's on your account? You think you're getting away with something? As it's written in the Bible. God knows your thoughts and intents in real time. It's written several times in the Bible. And God knows. There's nothing hid that shall not be revealed in real time. Oh, you think you got away with it? Yeah, think again. As far as the affairs of time are concerned, infinity back to infinity forward, this little blip of time, this little vapor of time of your life, where God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach his children something. Come back to me, or you know what? You've exhausted yourself as part of the human family, and I'm going to blot you out. And then we're going to get on with the eternity. Time and space. Not even Hollywood can come up with a theory. Not even the wildest philosopher can come up with anything about infinity forever. We're restricted in these, in these flesh bodies. We're bound by the perimeters of being human. We will never understand space and time, infinity back, infinity forward. So that should put you in your place in this little earth age, this little tiny flesh age that we're here. God's watching us. He's our Father. What you are doing, what you are thinking, your thoughts and your intents. Because selfishness, greediness, 
uh, being uh, self-pride with egotism, thinking you know better. Jesus, those things didn't penetrate the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He said no to those things. He was innocent of those things. Jealousies and envies. He was innocent. That's why he went up on the cross. Satan hyper-focused all those things. Temptations beyond what we could possibly endure. Only Jesus Christ, our Lord and Jesus Christ, was worthy to go up on that cross. He was the only one worthy that could stand for us and say no to all those things. He was innocent, not guilty. He didn't have a lawyer there. He stood his ground. He laid down his life without compromising with evil. He will not make negotiations with evil. He will not make concessions with evil. And as soon as his blood spilt and he left that flesh body, he set up a kingdom of heaven that is valid, legit, bona fide, that will not accommodate evil for whomsoever will. For the eternity. This little flash of time. You can be self-absorbed and selfish and just think about yourself because it'll get you cut off from that place of peace beyond our present comprehension. He died on the cross for you. The most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. The crowning point of Christianity was Calvary at the cross. The cross at Calvary. Where prophecy became in accordance with God's word, in accordance with reality. Don't you think otherwise? So here we go. The subtlety to take you away. To slap that crown off your head. To, to, to take your spot, your inheritance out of the kingdom of heaven. Because there's a hell. The Bible says it lasts a thousand years. And you can go there. You're not going to have your golf clubs, lawyer. You're not going to have your big uh, wallet, bungee cord wallet full of money, big shot. You're not going to have your... Uh, you know, all your toys over there. You'd be staying there going, hey, I know better. I, I, I knew better. I know better. You guys can argue it out to you, to you just red in the face over there. And that's sad. It makes nobody happy that's on the good side. We pray for you. All the angels rejoice when somebody repents. Like, give it up. Give up those ways and things of the world that are going to land you in hell. Like, look at Saul's subtlety. Subtle, like the serpent in the garden. Subtle. Look what he did to Eve. And God said, after what he did to Eve, and don't you think otherwise, I will put enmity between your seed, Satan, and your seed and the woman's seed. There's two seed lines there. What did he do to Eve? Naga, says in the Hebrew. Lied with the woman. Touched violated Eve. Satan took it too far. But God knew. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us, he manifests a little lower than the angels for us to be our teacher, our rabbi, our master, our wonderful counselor. He taught us all things, he said in Matthew 13. Or Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, in the seals, the vials, how this would go down in the end times. This book is only 700 pages long. It's not that hard. It tells us exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. Great deception, great falling away from truth. Wars and rumors of wars. Yeah, all worldwide now. We've exhausted the planet. We've destroyed the atmosphere, destroyed the waterways. We're destroying 
horticulture with this GMO stuff. What's next? Well, the Bible tells us. Well, I have to get back to the book of First uh, Samuel here. And when his servants told David these things, David, okay. And the servants of Saul told him and saying on this manner. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. That's pervertedly weird. He wants a hundred penises from the enemy, so you got to go out and kill them and cut off their junk. Like, come on. It's the devil written all over it. Pervertedness. Just, just moral debauchery. And so what's David do? And when he told David these things, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. And there was still time to go do this. Wherefore David arose and went and his men and slew the Philistines 200. And David brought back their foreskins and gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave Michelle, his daughter, to wife. First off, the dowry is supposed to go the other way. Second off, that's just a bizarre thing to ask for, Saul. You got this dynamic spirit just playing a snare drum in your head. You morally repulsive person. Your actions are, we love everybody, but not what they're doing. God loves you. God loves all his children. We love the human family here. I love everybody, but not what you're doing. Not necessarily what you're doing. Not if you're acting like Saul. So come on, Saul, pull it together, repent. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord, Yahweh, was with David and that Michelle, Saul's daughter, loved him. Okay, so, you know, Saul's, Saul is totally not... Uh, lost his mind here. He's, he's realizing the truth. He can't smoke screen it out. And neither can you. Neither can I. Neither can anybody. The truth will always be standing there. You can smoke screen it as much as you want. But be careful. Because it's standing there. It will never leave. The truth is our Lord Jesus Christ. The great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And Saul was yet more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Really. Nice guy, Saul. Married your daughter, and you're against him. And he's done everything, nothing but good for you. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. His reputation was gold. He didn't go around ripping people off. He didn't go around showboating. He didn't go around being a bully or a thug. He went around respecting humanity, doing his job, protecting God's kingdom, protecting the word of God, the seed line of God, where the truth would come through. And it's not just the greatest thing. I hope you enjoyed First Samuel chapter 18. Listen, I want to thank you for listening. And I would ask you if you could please promote this podcast. Somehow help market it. I don't know where it goes. I just uploaded it on Anchor and hope for the best. I know a lot of people are listening, but no one's getting back to me. I have a feeling that... The, that who knows? I haven't got a penny from it. This podcast is only possible through your donations. If you want to help me out before I have to go to the food bank, which is like now, uh, I'll sit here and I'll teach the Bible every single day. I study for about six hours. I do a podcast and then I go in town and church with people. And if anyone wants to be part of this church, 
It's your church too. Help glorify, magnify, broadcast God's saving word. Please help me keep bringing these podcasts to you. I love you to pieces. I can say I love you without knowing you. The same way people can hate each other without knowing them. Or make it up like Saul's making it up for David. I want to thank you very much. Have yourself a great day and bye for now.